0: Hello and welcome to GradCast, the official radio show and podcast of the Society of Graduate Students at Western University. I am your host, Reese Patterson. And I'm your co-host, Elizabeth Moeller. And we are here with Frankel lopez Sisenya. How are you?
1: Very well. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you for being on the show with us today. So we'll start off with one of the most basic questions. Uh, who are you and uh, what is your research?
1: Thank you. First of all, thank you so much for this opportunity. I really appreciate the time and I really appreciate that there is a grad cast that you can listen to, that's amazing. Anyway, so yes, as you beautifully pronounce it, my name is Frankel Lopez Esena. i I'm from Mexico. Um, I am a musician, I play violin and I'm studying at, at Western. I'm almost done with my DMA in violin performance. DMA is a doctoral degree in in musical arts. Um, My research is uh, the application of a theory of musical analysis into uh, a set of pieces by a Baroque composer. Basically this theory Uh, It's called a theory of virtual agency for Western art music. Um, I know that it sounds a little crazy with that virtual part, (laughs) but it is not. It's just a theory on musical signification. And I try to find meaning to music.
2: So uh, just for some of us who may be more novices, Can you tell us what Baroque
1: era means? Oh yes, of course, of course. The Baroque period started in in the 1600s and it ended around 1750 with the death of Johann Sebastian Bach, probably the the most important uh, Baroque composer. And uh, this uh, composer that I'm analyzing is Bieber, but do not confuse with the Canadian Bieber. I'm sure, because... it's
2: not from Stafford, not just <laughs> No,
1: No, uh, this guy uh, is from Bohemia uh, in that era. It was called Bohemia, but he's from from the north of Austria.
0: Okay. Uh, Well, I'm sure that there would be a podcast about how we talk about Justin Bieber's music, but this is (laughs) not it. (laughs) Um, So you mentioned that you are getting your doctorate um, and obviously uh, you are a musician, a violinist. Um, So let's take it back to the very, very beginning. Um, What made you study this? What made you get this passion for you to follow it all the way to a a doctorate degree?
1: (laughs) Um, well I it was it's kind of a mystery, you know. It's it's something that you're you do not plan. Let's say that I, I was just a a kid with bad behavior, right? <laughs> and my my aunt, my mom's sister, um she told to my mom, Oh Linda, we need to make this kid to do something in afternoons, during the afternoons, because he's just annoying. (laughs) So my aunt, Lorena, um, she knew the violin teacher in La Paz. I'm from La Paz, Baja California Sur. And I said, yes, let's go. I didn't know anything about music nor violin. This teacher looked at me Asked me some questions and gave me a violin so I can start practicing like right away. I did that. I didn't like practicing much at the beginning. I, I think probably I hate it. maybe still now I kind of hate practicing. <laughs> <laughs> I love music, but oh practicing requires a lot of time. You you understand. Um Anyway, I I started to to practice, to learn, to love music. And then almost 20 years later, I'm I'm like finishing a DMA on, on music. That's just it's very, it's almost it's very impressive even for me. Like I didn't I was not planning this.
0: <laughs> you didn't expect to get this far. You you've now created a, a life where you have to constantly practice.
1: Exactly. So. <laughs>
0: At least is putting the energy to uh, to good use.
1: Yep. Yeah. And, re-
2: and you've mentioned um, this yes,
1: this
0: yes.
2: beer composer, not just a beer. What what influenced you to um, to study this composer? Was were they uh, a particular influence in your work in your thinking? Did you, do you just enjoy yeah. their music?
1: You know, when I finished my bachelor's degree in Mexico City. Um, I started with Cuauhtémoc Rivera, a very, very nice person and and musician. I was planning, I was uh, choosing my repertoire for the final recital. Um, And one of the requirements was you need to play a Baroque piece, right? So I was like just trying to find composers from the Baroque era I didn't want to play something that everybody plays. So my teacher told me, you should look into Beaver's music. Okay. So I I tried and I listened to his first Rosary Sonata uh, that is called the Annunciation. And just in the beginning, in the first 30 seconds of the piece, i was able to to imagine and almost almost see uh, the annunciation like see the angel gabriel talking to mary and announcing what will happen to her etc and to me that was very powerful very exciting and since that moment since, since the last year of my bachelor's degree i started to to research and to listen to beaver's music and just to mention this i'm doing an analysis on that piece on the annunciation as one case study of my dissertation so yeah since that moment it's been like two six years almost six years of just being there thinking on 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 beaver's music and yeah it's it's amazing
0: music definitely has a, um, you know, it's one of those senses. It's like smell, like when you smell something and it just takes you back to a certain time in your life. uh, It has one of the strongest memory um, associations to it. And uh, music definitely has that. Um, You can listen to any type of music if you're you know, going through a breakup, you have your breakup songs, Or if you're really happy, like you can listen to those songs years down the road and, you know, still have those feelings kind of attached to them. Um, When you, when you listen to music, when you are performing your music um, or performing pieces, rather, um, musicians have, musicians are so fully into the music. Like you see them and you can, it almost feels as if they're in like it's in their soul and they're just, it's just a, a vessel for them to, to play. Um, is that kind of the feeling that you, uh, that you study?
1: Exactly, exactly. It's very related to, to the concept that I mentioned a little bit before, the musical signification. Um, this concept is trying to link what we feel, what we imagine um, with music, to, to the actual, like, research, music research, to, actually, to, to that, like, area that is that most of the time is just about theory, like, what is it, how they sound, it's important to this piece, to this chord, and all those, like, highly and heavy theoretical approaches to music, uh, and they are important, don't get me wrong. It's very important to know those things, but in order to actually talk about what you feel and what you think and what you imagine with music, sometimes that uh, avenue is not as good or is not as um, significant to a person. right? So yes, yes, as a musician, as a performer, when I learn something, when I listen to, to something, specifically a violin music, since I'm a violinist, yes, I'm able to, to feel a lot of things that are so deep. Imagine stuff that, are, that is just me, me thinking on music or just even making connections, as you said, with my past, right? oh yes, this song, my mom used to sing this thing, it is very meaningful to me, right? And I just ask him all the time, why? Why is that song very meaningful to me? And I go deep into that, right? Like maybe it's this chord, maybe it's this melody that is so meaningful to me. So that's kind of the approach. That's kind of the exercise that I do and that we do when we talk about music meaning and music signification.
2: Was that sort of the premise of this virtual theory you're kind of talking about a little bit earlier on in the program?
1: Exactly, exactly. How can we talk about these things uh, that we imagine, these ideas that are in music, if they're not actually exist? Right? Because I cannot tell you. I could show you music, shit music, and you will see the notes, and okay. Mm -hmm. But all these deep things that I'm saying, they're not in the music, right? And they're not in, 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 a, in the physical world. They're kind of in our subjective imagination that is so personal. So Robert Hatton, who is the author of the theory of the virtual agency of music, um, he, choose, he chose that word virtual to talk about these things because they don't really exist, but we can feel them and we can talk about them and we can describe them and we can even give agential capacities to these things that exist in our mind, in our subjective um, conscious. Um, So yes, yes, uh, that's why we call it virtual.
0: It seems like, you know, when you're talking about the, uh, this feeling and association and, and, and virtualness, um, I actually kind of want to ask Elizabeth a question. I know this is really like off, off the cuff here, but Elizabeth, have you ever listened to a song and like got that feeling, got that feeling of like, wow, like I can, I can see something. I can feel something.
2: Yes, I have. It is a song by John Williams. It's typically played at Remembrance Day uh, or on Remembrance Day. And it's called Hymn to the Fallen. I'm pretty sure that's what it's called, Uh, John Williams. And it's in the very end of credits to the movie Saving Private Ryan. And it's this beautiful piece of classical music that just swells and crescendos and plays with notes. And I don't know what it is in the music. Hopefully our guests can explain it. But when I hear it, I cry. Like even just thinking about it right now, talking about it, I can feel my eyes rolling up. It's, I don't know what it is. I, John Williams is a beautiful composer, but it's something in that music, in the way that the, the chords maybe are shaped and placed together. Maybe it's the instruments, I don't know. But even just talking about it right now, so I'm gonna stop, my eyes are rolling up. So I don't know, maybe our guest has some insights.
1: Wow, that is so beautiful. You're saying something that is so beautiful. And, and I relate to that very deeply, deeply. My, my story about the Annunciation and seeing the Archangel Gabriel and talking to Mary, uh, that is something that is as powerful as what you're saying. And just imagine if you have the opportunity to actually understand why because it's kind of a mystery. Maybe you like that song because a certain chord, it's so powerful, it has that strange seventh note that makes it like beautiful. Or maybe something else, maybe something related to the tempo. Maybe the tempo of the music is like not too fast, and not too slow is just in, just maybe in, is your heartbeat, maybe it's in sync with your heartbeat in that moment. Maybe it's the lyrics. I, I, I don't know if, if that song has like it very doesn't. specific I lyrics. I don't
2: think Prayer to the Fallen has, um, has lyrics. Yeah, because it's a classical piece. I see.
1: Yeah. I see. I see. Well, if, if it has, just imagine the connection between lyrics and the connection between the sounds and music, that adds up another level of, of meaning. Like, oh, how this specific word goes so well with this melody or with this chord, you see? So oof, there, there's, it's a world in just one song, or it could be just one bar, I don't, I don't know. It could be, this bar is the one that makes me cry, right? And I, I want to know why. And you just try to look for that meaning that, as, that is closed. You see, for some reason, we don't see, we don't understand why, but we feel their existence, right? The, the um, energy, the significance, but we cannot see the thing. And that is almost, oof, it's almost sublime, you see? No, it, it's a beautiful example, what you, what you share.
2: Yeah, thank you so much. Reese. What about you? Um,
0: I would say actually, I have two songs. So, uh, back in my back in my youth, uh, I used to be in orchestra. I used to play the violin, the cello, you know, saxophone, flute, trumpet. Like I literally did everything. Never picked up anything because I hated practicing. Funny you should bring oh. that up. Um, <laughs> but, uh. I remember so obviously like so Katie Lang's Hallelujah will will get me like it's always that one little portion that it you know I can listen to the whole song except for that one verse and I just crumble and there's actually a song by the killers and it's Mm -hmm. called Be Still so obviously it has a little bit of like a biblical reference to it. But it starts off with these chords and the chords, uh, maybe like on a synthesizer or something like that, but it runs through the whole entire song and he sings over top of it, obviously. Um, And I don't know if it's a C, I don't know if it's a D or like D sharp or something, but it just cuts, it just cuts everything. And all I can do is listen to that note and I feel calm. And it's the wow. strangest feeling. And, you know, sometimes I'll listen to other songs, right? And they'll do like a melody or a harmony with that same kind of like chord. And it just mm-hmm. gets me every, every single time, every single time.
1: I see. Yes. I see. Well, I, I live like that every day of my <laughs> life. <laughs> I listen to a piece of music and I start just wondering, oh, why, why I feel these things, right, and, and I just choose uh, Beaver's music, because um, it was so powerful to me in that moment, and, and I wanted to, to know more, Mm -hmm. but you, you can write another dissertation (laughs) on just that song, you see,
2: and you (laughs) know, it's so powerful, I don't know if you have any, any comment on this, but I know that when people are experiencing a decline in memory, they say music is the gateway that brings people back, and I just wanted to correct yeah. our listeners today I said prayer of the fallen, it is "Hymn to the fallen by john Williams that I was referring to so can't have the wrong piece going in there, but back to back to you, what do you think about how music jogs memory or helps with memory.
1: It's fascinating. Um, obviously. We know we know already some um, how our brain works, right? And we have even here at Western, we have a group of people that is studying cognitive science and music, right? And from their approach that is more scientific, they're also trying to answer those questions, right? Um, My, as you can see, my approach goes more from the music to ourselves and that's all right but those guys that are in cognitive science maybe they can connect more and more the okay why our brain feels those things you see and why our brain see those things experience music and feel again right it's it's uh, so difficult to explain um and, and sometimes it could be overwhelming that oh man, I, I don't know anything actually, but but I'm trying right, I'm trying. Um, so yeah, we don't we don't really know exactly how it works, but at least we are trying little by little uh, with our research on musical signification or even cognitive science to answer those questions and, I just think that is it's, it's so great. It's beautiful.
0: So we've talked about you know, um, very very full feelings, very um, very heartfelt, and and you know very touching feelings. Um, so obviously the opposite has has to be asked. Um, have you ever listened to music or heard a piece and just be like, this has got to be the most awful thing I've ever heard. <laughs> and just went the total opposite direction.
1: (laughs) Yes, it happens. It happens. There are some cases uh, of music, like music just for dance that is so repetitive or that is just or maybe it's trying to be funny or it's trying to be ridiculous some of those examples are music that i i don't really like and it's it's a little difficult to actually say something but if you if you actually analyze that music that you consider like not good you will find something you will find something that you will you will think oh that's interesting why why i i found that those kind of weird things to this shitty music why right <laughs> so just just imagine that if music is so so amazing and our brains are also amazing that they're able to re, to produce reproduce and listen and understand music that it doesn't really matter if you don't really like a certain type of music right Music is so deep and you will find amazing stuff, even in the strangest music that you can find in the world, right? So just trying to, to finish this idea. It's more about yourself, right? Yes, music is amazing. I'm, I'm repeating myself, I know, but music is amazing, etc. But with these exercises, we just know more about ourselves. And how we or our brains relate to music. Yeah. Uh,
0: yeah, that was very eloquently put. I uh, I really truly expect you to go off on some Baroque um, violinist that you're just like, man, this is this is awful. I hate practicing this, I hate playing this, I hate doing this, you know, like discussed that feeling just comes out but yeah that was um that was very eloquently put and uh yeah very nice <laughs> thank
2: you we have time for one more because I have a question that I've been wanting to ask and I'm wondering why minor makes us feel sad and major happy
1: oh yeah wow that, that's one of, of those questions that is so difficult to answer it, it's a little bit like the problem with the chicken and the egg, you know? We don't really know what was first, if we associated the the sad feeling first to that chord, to the minor chord, or it was the opposite. We, we They play that chord and then, oh, oh, that that hurt. <laughs> right? uh, we don't really know how, what happened. But the interesting thing, is again to answer why that happened, you see. So maybe, I'm sure that it should be some research on that topic, but I'm not very aware. The only thing that I could say is that it sounds to me of something that we don't really know. Um, And that happens with all music. Just the example that you you just uh, gave is one of them, but it could be also speed why if it's faster, we feel more excited. And if, it, if it, the music is slow, we get calmer, right? I, I don't know. And I think we, we, have, we don't really know that, but it's just associations with, with our, possibly our physical world, you see? If we run, we are excited. If we are just calm and enjoying our chocolate, uh, we are, we the music will be like slower and our heartbeat will be slower. So, it should be some connection to our physical world that creates that feeling of sadness in, in that chord. But I don't really know the the answer, the appropriate answer.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Elizabeth, you'll have to uh, you'll have to redo your whole PhD and just just study that. Okay.
2: Yeah. No, make you feel sad. Yes. <laughs>
0: Um, so we are just about out of time. Uh, so I would like to extend our thanks for coming on to the show from Elizabeth and I, we greatly appreciate you coming on and talking about your research and talking about music and how it makes us feel good. So
2: thank you.
1: Well, thank you. Thank you to both of you for your beautiful questions and this nice talk. And also again, for this opportunity, I really appreciate
0: it. This has been GradCast, the official radio show and podcast of the Society of Graduate Students at Western University. I've been your host, Rhys Patterson. And I've been your co-host, Elizabeth Muller. And we've been speaking with Frankel lopez Sisenya. And this episode was produced by me, Rhys Patterson. If you would like to be involved with the show or get in contact with us, email us at gradcastradio at gmail.com. You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at GradCastRadio. To listen to us, we are on Radio Western 94.9 FM. You can also find all of our episodes on our website at gradcast.ca or on podcast apps like Podbean, iTunes, and Spotify. Alternatively, select podcasts have been uploaded to YouTube at Gradcast Radio. Thank you for listening and have a great night.